Ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Special technique of shadow boxing. Coming up 
positive when they got to Vegas. So to avoid all the issues, they was they was making fighters in the, in the camp take tests before they even got on a plane because you can't you're not allowed you're not supposed to be traveling on or flying anywhere if you had the virus. That, that was the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So so you know with that being said, uh, you had that first uh, positive test through the viral test. So you did go right. through the you know the um, quarantine protocol. Uh, you know, stayed indoors 14 days, took, you know, medication and things like that, and, you know, was still, you know, in, in, in a fairly good condition so that by the time it was at the end of the 14 days, you took, uh, I think it was an antibody test uh, there to see if, you know, all of the things were, you know, out of your system, and you came back negative on that particular test, right? Yeah, it's crazy, bro. Like, like um. I took the test. I took the test um, um, June twentieth. June was like almost a month ago now, whatever. June twentieth, um, I came. I came in positive. I did the whole. I did the whole quarantine thing for um, ten to fourteen days, and on July third, I took it again, and I had tested negative. So that that was the reason why I was allowed to basically travel to begin with to go to to go to Vegas because I had a negative result. And then when I had got to Vegas. Um, Pretty much the day before the weigh-in, which was what the eleventh of July, we got to get tested. We got to get tested for the bubble uh, at the MGM Grand, and then that test happened to pop up positive. But then I, you know, I took the antibody test the same morning as the weigh-in, which was the thirteenth, <laughs> and that and that test basically pretty much determined that you know I had the virus, but I had the antibody, you know, in, in my system to fight off the virus. But you know, the commission they still wasn't they wasn't trying to hear it or whatever. Um, top rank was trying everything in their power to keep the to keep the fight, but the commission again they they, had, they got the last word. So, but before I left um, Vegas, I think it was maybe um, the day of my the day I would have fought on um, July 14th. I had to another mm-hmm. COVID 19 test, and then that test came back negative. So it, it just it's just been crazy with the like these tests aren't accurate. You know what I mean? But like I said, I can't I'm not blaming the commission or whatever because they 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 had to do what they, what they felt was right to keep everybody safe. But I know, like I said, top rank was trying everything in their power to um, pretty much keep the keep the fight that week. Even like even they, they were trying to they were trying to give me a fight um, even at um, the Thursday on the Thursday card because I, I was still in Vegas. So they were trying to you know mm-hmm. get me clear to at least fight Thursday. But you know the commission again they were saying that you know for now on they're going to go by a rule by basically saying that once you test positive from the first test, which is back in June, you got to wait you got to wait six weeks. Six weeks for me would, would have been next Tuesday. So basically, if they would have, if they would have just waited a week or so to begin with, I've been fighting, you know, this coming up Tuesday. But it's whatever. It is what it is. So um, what, what we're going to do right now is um, I told them to give me like a week off because I've been in camp for like ten, you know, ten weeks as it is dealing with yeah. the whole situation. So the whole thing we're doing now is I'm gonna come back and um, fight in August, but I can't tell you if it's gonna be even a, a title fight or, you know, just a 10-round fight now because it's, it's so many, it's so it's so much up in the air right now. Yeah, I feel you. I mean, with the, the way that the thing was scheduled out, like you had, you know, the set time where you were going to face Jonathan Nikendo and have that defense of the WBO Super Featherweight Championship. But like you said, being in camp for, you know, that long, it's like you got to, you're, you're in there like, uh, as far as like you know, being in and being at weight and training and having a training regimen, there's like you know a set set amount of time before it's like your body's gonna be you know kind of like hold up like 
Like, you're not going to be, you know, it's not used to all of this. So, you know, having that type of rest is, you know, good for you. But, you know, at the same time, like you said, you, you do have that set time period where you could, you know, pretty much have a fight, whether, you know, it's still the same thing as scheduled with Jonathan Akendo or somebody else because it does, there's no guarantee that, you know, Jonathan Akendo would be available for that long of a time either. So exactly, yeah, like, that's, that's- yeah, it's a fact. Because, like I said, we was looking at, like, man, like, I actually felt bad for him. Because, like I said, you know, he, he agreed that, you know, to wait for the delay after the July 2nd car got, you know, got canceled. Well, it got pushed. I got taken off the car. It wasn't canceled. I, I got taken off. Mm-hmm. Our fight got taken Well, you know, so we he agreed to wait to the 14th. And I was like, okay, I thought everything was a good was a go for the 14th. Because, like I said, it's, it's crazy. Like, who, like, for since this mm-hmm. whole pandemic started, they, you know, it. Medically, it says if the virus is active in your system for at least ten to fourteen days. Like I said, I, I had caught I had caught it, you know, what I'm saying back in June. So you mean something that almost a month later that I was supposedly walking around here with the virus, but yet when my team had to took the test, um, the same day after the test in Vegas, none of them, none, none, of, none of nobody on the team came back positive. It, just, it was just me. Wow. <laughs> wow. And yeah, I've been, and, and, I've been I've been around my team every day. So, like, the whole, yeah. like, my, my nutritionist, my, my two trainers that were there with me, you know, the, mm-hmm. my staff and everybody, everybody was around me. None of them, none of them came back, you know, positive. And then, and then basically said, like, you know, and, and then medically a doctor was saying that, you know, my body could have still been shedding off the virus, obviously, but the, the virus, the point was the virus wasn't active, so I couldn't even spread it. You know, it wasn't like it was, I was able to spread it. You know, my body was still shedding out. You know the um, the remaining cells from the from the, the virus that I had to be get. That's why I took another test in Vegas. Like I took another test in Vegas. You know, um, like right down the road from the MGM Grand, and that came back. You know, only less. It came back less than twenty five hours later, and, and it was. And that's why I posted it up. It was negative. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and I mean that's why. And, and like you said, with the thing with the testing, because um, I, I I forgot to like mention the th- the part about. You know, fighters and trainers and all of them, before they go into the bubble, they had the test. You know, they had to take the test. So, right. like, you know, for example, um, you know, there's one guy um, that I know in Philadelphia that's, you know, a boxer and a trainer, and he was, like, achieved second for, you know, a fight um, that was, like, a, a last the previous week. Um, and he came from, like, Philadelphia, and so he was, like, there on that Sunday, then flew Monday and took the test Monday and you know it was you know negative so he was able to go through and be you know as far as like being there as a trainer you know for that particular fight but like you said I mean you have you know all those people that are there the trainers the 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 fighters that she's far with all of that and they they all come back negative but you come positive it's like what part of the game is this you know what I'm it's crazy. It's like it's like it's like rolling the dice, man. Yeah, it, it, it's something. It's like you know Russian roulette. I don't know what it is because um, and, and the crazy part about it when I had um, initially talked about it on Monday is that once they removed you from the card, they had moved the co-feature about to the main event, which was Michaela Mayer versus Helen Joseph where Michaela right. Mayer had to be rescheduled because her test came back positive, but then she went to Colorado 
and three days later took the same test and it came back negative. Crazy man, I don't know what I don't know what kit I don't know what medical testing kit they using from the commission man, but they ain't they're not doing justice by the by the by the um the fighter or the teams at times, man. But like I said, Alex, I, I took that test direct. I took the antibody test the same day they called me up saying I was um I was positive. Took the antibody test. Antibody test basically was saying that you know I had I had the virus, but I had the antibody to fight off the virus. They still accept that. Then I the next day after that, you know the night of my fight, I took I took you know the morning of that of that day, I took the um the COVID nineteen test all over again. And that clearly came back and said not detected. I posted up the you know the date, the time, and everything. it was eleven. It was like eleven forty something in the morning. I took that test. You know what I mean? And I was like, how is it that now it's in a full twenty five hours later, I don't have the virus anymore? Like, come on, man. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it, it it's it's very crazy sometimes how how these uh, you know testing um, results and what they you know where they send it, how they analyze the tests and. You know what's present and what's not present in them, um, and it has you know like a and lot nothing, of people confused about the whole thing. It's crazy, and nothing is people like people don't notice. We're not get we're not even getting like the results back on paper. You know what I'm saying? We're just getting a phone call saying that we have. You know, we're not even getting the results back. So I like like that's why you know like at least like all the tests I've taken. I've had paperwork on them and everything. You know, that's why I screenshots or whatever. I had them all sent to me electronically. The the ones in Vegas are from the commission. We're not even getting those mm-hmm. back. We're not even getting the calls back. We're just getting a call. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, yeah, my guy, my guy that was in Philly, man, he, like, he had took the test. They took, like, what, I think it was, like, a mouse swab or something like that. Then he was just, right. you know, right. stuck in a hotel you know, the whole time, you know, waiting on the phone call for that day. And if he didn't get, you know, if he didn't get the phone call, then he was, you know, all good to go. So, uh, yeah, no, it's like, yeah, it's like, it's like, it's like, man, if you don't get a phone call, you're, you're good to go. But it's like, some people were like, some people would rather get a call saying they got, if they cleared or not, it's crazy. Like, so you're basically waiting the whole day, waiting the whole morning to see if you get a phone call or not. And like, they told me, but they was like, listen, if you don't get a phone call by seven, you're good. So by seven o'clock, right. came, I didn't get a phone call straight. Man, I got a call back around like seven thirty, eight o'clock, and then was some other. Oh yeah, uh, your test results came back. I'm like, what? Oh man, come on, yo, yo, that no nah, man, that's flaw right there. That is flaw. Like, cause yeah, like you said, I mean, they they pretty much have a time when they usually call the people. To give them like the positive test results, and it's, it's, it's right. yeah, like seven o'clock. So if you like, if it's past seven o'clock and you ain't getting no call, then yeah, you should be good to go. You should be you know ready to get at it for the you know next day, the next couple of days or so. But to get it like <laughs> forty-five minutes after, it's crazy. Oh. I was going to wait, and I was ready to go, man. Like like I, like that's nothing. Like even when I had the through the quarantine and everything, I still maintained my discipline. And I, I was still, you know, out there doing what I had to do to make sure I wasn't blowing up in weight and things of that nature. So when I got to Vegas, I was already on weight. You know, I was good to go. I was already on Like, y'all seen the post I was putting out, I was on weight. I was cool. Like, my nutritionist, like, I, I, was, I was literally eating every day up to the weigh-in without having to starve myself or, um, you know, dehydrate and still dehydrate. Like, I was eating and drinking every day because I, I still had a good weight cut. So it was like we did all of that, and, and you know, to make sure that I was healthy and strong, 
through, you know, to after the quarantine, and it was like, you stay two months, you still got the virus? Like, like I done did. It was way past, it was way past 14 days by the time I went to Vegas. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, yeah, that's a you know crazy situation there um, with that particular instance. Now you know going to that um, more a little in a little bit, but I uh, have a couple of callers coming coming in here. Uh, first, I have the eight one three coming in here. You're on the Boxing Source Radio Show with Mister Jamel Simplify Heron. What's going on? Hey, what's up, JBD? What's really going on with you? And what's up, Mister Heron? I'm a fellow uh, Marine myself. From back in the day, but I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. do or die, do or die. You already know, man. So, hey, real quick, so I, your this news that's going on with you, man, is just absolutely crazy. And the first thing I said, I, I can't wait to talk to you. Said I commend you, and just like you're talking about right now, stand in shape. I mean, you, you stand in shape anyway. We know that from all your posts and things like that on Twitter and stuff like that. So I commend you for standing in shape. But not only that, just the mental fortitude that that you have to maintain. With the news that's going on, you in in the fight, can pull from the car, pull from the bubble, things like that. Send back home and and then reschedule again, and for the same thing to happen again, and it's just even with the the, the false positive test. I mean, there's so much stuff going on, but but just from that, your mental fortitude to maintain on the on your task at hand, uh, still concentrate on on the same opponent, and even on on top of that, I know we'll get to this in a minute, but all the movement going around in your division. Because there's so much right. going on, people going up and down, and like I said, I know we're we'll just in a, in a second, but but kudos to you on your it's your minute for two just to hold on and just maintain and do what you got to do despite what's going on. So thank you for that. Uh, now I appreciate it. And, you know that that, come, that that comes from how we built, you know, as Marines. Like you got you to just stay mentally tough through anything. But like for like, I mean for the, like for the most part, I look at it like this also. It could be worse because you know I got friends over with um, Golden Boy. And, you know, a lot of those guys don't even have an idea when they even get back in the ring this year, if not if not this year at all. So at least in my situation was like, you know, I can, I, I can reschedule, you know, with top rank because they had the whole top rank series on ESPN. So rescheduling wasn't an issue. So that's why, you know, for the most part, I kept my cool. But I just hope that, you know, the commission at least gets these tests, you know, a lot, you know, a lot better with, the, with how, how they do these tests because, like I said, it, it's just crazy. Yeah, I mean that's that. Yeah, that whole thing was nuts, you know, on there. So, um, got my other caller in here from the two hundred five area code uh, coming in live. Uh, you're on the Boxing Source Radio Show. What's going on, fellas? It's Mike Grady calling out of Atlanta. Uh, just saying, I'm wel- welcoming uh, Jamel Herring to the show. Uh, you know, I've enjoyed your fights, man. Uh, since I started watching over the last, you know, couple years or so. Um, you, know, you you put your heart and soul into it, man, and I I gotta uh, give kudos for that. I appreciate that, man. I really do appreciate that. Yeah, and um, so I wanted to like kind of get into the things that you were talking about with uh, you know staying in shape and all of that. Um, and 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 you were posting like videos on I think like. Twitter or Facebook or something. I think you had your your son out there joining you, and uh, oh yeah, your son, yeah. your son was it? You were all too hot. What's going out there on the track? Hey, he, he did he did a lot better this time around. Um, we went out there yesterday again. He and he um, I guess 
mentally he knew what he was, what he was getting himself into. So he had a better mm-hmm. yeah he had a better outlook. Yeah, that first day I don't think he was feeling me. He was feeling me at all that first day, but you know he wasn't no quitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cause he he, he was uh, he was running that uh, I think it was like a one hundred or something. But by the time he got to the end of it, he was looked like he was looking at you like man, why are you why are you having me go through this? I warned him. I warned him to begin with. I gave him a fair warning, like hey, you know I'm not, I'm still out here working, like I'm like I'm still getting ready for a fight, so I'm not out here, yeah. you know, I'm playing around. Be- Gonna keep up. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna let you know right now what we're doing. But I guess he thought he can, he can keep up. But like I said, he, the second time around he did a lot better. But yeah, that first day he wasn't feeling me at all. We ain't talked. We ain't even took the whole car car ride back home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. He was he was a little bit heated after that one. Um, but yeah, going into um, you know what we're we're going to talk about as far as like your uh, future plans now. Um. Of course, we've talked in the past about, you know, what happened with you and Miguel Burchell. And Miguel Burchell kind of freezing up after you defeated uh, Masuki Ito for the WBO Super Featherweight title because he was, like, really looking forward to trying to do a unification. But once you won that WBO title, he had a little bit of change of plans right there. So, um, you know, now it's like you've had your defenses. Uh, you, you know, won in your mandatory defense against Lamont Rose Jr. Uh, so you would have had this uh, fight coming up, and then they were planning to match you up against Carl Franson. But after that, right. you did you were kind of planning on, you know, making a little bit of a move uh, towards the 135-pound division. Right. You know, because, I mean, it seems like, you know, with all the movement that, you know, we're talking about, like Terrell said, um, you have Terrell Stevenson moving up from 126. Uh, I mean, you, you had, you know, uh, Valdez moving up um, before that, but they kind of seem to have Valdez matching up against Burchell, and then, um, you know, they'll see what happens with Shakur Stevenson after that. Um, so it's kind of like, well, you know, what, what's going to be out there for Jamel Herring? I mean, you've been looking for a unification bout, and they haven't been doing it with Burchell, and who knows if they will work something out with um, Golden Boy and JoJo Diaz. So, Yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy. There's a lot of good fighters in the division, but, like, every other – if you like, when you look at it, every other fighter has either their own agenda – or had something scheduled already. Like, um, like I said, me and my me and my bro, like Shakur is broke, but and but people don't know we actually share the same nutritionist. Like we we share that we actually use the same gym. We actually use the same gym when we when we have our training camp in Colorado Springs. We share the same gym. So like and that's why I was Shakur. You know what I'm saying? Respectfully, when when he doing doing interviews, he always said that you know him and I would have to be the very last resort. For anything, because like I said, we have we you know we we basically have the same circle. Like we use the same nutritionists to make weight, and we use the same facilities when it's time to have a fight. When before the hell pandemic was going down, we we using the same gym, whatever. But and then um with my man Jojo's situation, it's like he 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 like con, you know he was he was blinded by contract to give Kevin from my man Kevin Farmer a rematch. But then I've, I've been hearing, like, the IBF, you know, they, they, they've taken so long to make, to make that rematch that 
he's pretty much stuck now. Make, he has to make a mandatory defense, or he has to vacate the title if he doesn't fight the mandatory. And we all know mm-hmm. that um, Leo Santa Cruz, Leo Santa Cruz, you know, is supposedly tied in with fighting um, my man Javante Davis at some point in time whenever whenever the PBC gets back on schedule. And then, like you pointed out, man, Miguel Burchell and Oscar Valdez seem like they're more interested in fighting each other than anyone else outside of that little circle. So it was like I've been in a crazy situation since I got the title. It was like point where I was telling myself if I can't become, you know, at least a unified champion in the division, you know, I may just have to move up and, you know what I'm saying, and see what's, what's, what's up what's up north elsewhere because you've seen it, man. I've been going through a crazy time. Like, like I didn't like with the whole Miguel Burchell situation. I didn't get in the ring. You know what I'm saying? When he after his fight, they go you call for unification. He called for that, and then you know we couldn't get that done. Like remind you, we both fought the same time frame in November, and the reason why I fought LeBron Roche was because the WO, the WO basically mandated me to fight Roche was because we couldn't get an agreement with the um, WBC champion Miguel Bichot to make a unification fight because we all know for the most part unifications always override you know mandatory for that time being. You know. The sanctioned buyers are willing to make a unification matchup as long as you probably, you know, you face your mandatory afterwards. But since we couldn't get that fight with Bateau, you know, I had to fight I had to fight Lamont Roach, which was cool. Okay, after that fight, though, after we both took care of business, we tried again to make a unification matchup. But instead, he'd rather have went, you know, trying to fight Oscar Valdez than anything. So that's the reason why, and that's pretty much the main reason why I fought Franklin because, um, Oscar Valdez was actually my my, um, my next mandatory as well, but his management mm-hmm. team they, they they didn't want it. They didn't want they they didn't want that fight to make that fight with me either. So you know instead they they um you know his team and Bertel's team decided just to basically make a match amongst themselves. You know what I mean? And I was pretty much left out of that circle. And remind remind you, we're all signed with top rank, but I couldn't get a fight yep. with either one of these guys. That's, that's when Carl Frampton had stepped in. And that's why I gave him that respect when I was saying that I was going to go overseas to Belfast. It's because I was giving Carl Frampton a respect for even stepping up because a lot of the other guys, I couldn't get I couldn't get a fight with them. And so, and so to not feel left out of, like, a big matchup, you know, I, I had to go – if I had to go elsewhere to make a big matchup, I had to go take care of business elsewhere. But that's how that situation went, went down. But it's like – it's just a lot, like I said, a lot of good matches that can be made at Super Featherweight, but a lot of them, you know, a lot of these guys aren't trying to make these matchups. You know what I mean? Yeah, I feel you. And the thing with, um, you know, like you said, with Oscar Valdez, I mean, Oscar Valdez was the former WBO featherweight champion. And, you know, at that particular time, uh, they had, you know, Shakur Stevenson up there as the number one contender for that WBO title. So they were going to see about making that particular fight, but Oscar Valdez said, you know, um, uh, you know, I'm having trouble making weight there at featherweight, so I'm going to move up to super featherweight. But as the world champion, the WBO world champion at featherweight, once you move up, you're pretty much positioned as the number one contender for the super featherweight championship, which is held by you. But right. like you said, they were setting it up to where they would have Oscar Valdez be positioned at number one in the WBC uh, so that he would later, down the line, face Miguel Burchell, which gave Burchell an out for not, you know, uh, having a unification belt. So, and like he said, uh, you had the uh, fight against Lamar Roach uh, on November 9th of last year, and Miguel Burchell, you know, had a fight on um, – 
November 2nd uh, against Jason Sosa. So that should have, you know, paired it once again for y'all to have their unification belt because you, you would have been cleared for it, you know. But right. uh, he he didn't want to have that. He just wanted to, you know, have the thing set up to where he would face Oscar Valdez. And it's crazy because you have, you know, Miguel Birch out there, and he's been, you know, uh, the WBC Super Featherweight Champion since 2017, and he has not had one. Not one unification out since then. That's crazy. And that, not, another thing is crazy. Not, you know, another crazy thing about it with that whole that whole time and that time span. If we if we go back to November, before me and Lamont even fought, Oscar Valdez, you know, was made was, was they actually bumped down. They actually bumped number two, and they put Oscar Valdez as as, as number one in the in the, um, in the sanctions. So that tells you right there. He was like I said after the Lamont fight, Valdez was was, all, was already set up to be my mandatory fight, and I was cool. And I, I, I was actually cool with making that fight. You know, I didn't mind, I didn't mind fighting Oscar either way. But like it tells you right there, he he, he still has mandatory spot before anybody, even over Lamont. Even even though Lamont already had the fight on contract, they moved Lamont ass out the way for Valdez. And and, and Valdez team still was you know I I, I ran to, I, I ran into them. Out in LA, not too long, yeah. not too long before um, before I had fought November 30th, him and Frank fought in the same car in Vegas. I ran into um, um, Valentina. You know, they were cool. That's why I don't say anything bad about Oscar, but they was like, look, not listen, Chad, we respect you, but you know, we're just looking to go in, in, in a different direction. And I, I spoke, and I actually spoke to Oscar personally um, after he fought after he fought Adam Lopez when he, he was walking out the ring. I, um, you know, we 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 spoke for like a like, brief moment. He gave me my respect and I congratulate with him. But like that was last time I heard from Oscar Valdez on the team, and since then, you know, it just didn't hit the whole situation with him and him and myself. Yeah, man, it's like, it's crazy. I mean, I have this uh, thing on the simulcast where I went to the WBO and I looked up the World Boxing uh, WBO rankings of October 2019, right before uh, you were going to fight tomorrow, bro. And yes, they did have Oscar Valdez there at number one uh, over Lamont Rose Jr. I mean, this you know it's just crazy uh, how they you know uh, organize all of that. Um, but then you know you still had that as a mandatory defense, so it could have cleared everything up for you to fight Oscar Valdez, but they didn't want that fight to happen either. So, question real quick. Jamel, just give, give me your perspective uh, of, of all the stuff that we just talked about, uh, should have, could have, would have fought you and stuff like that. Why do you think there's a reluctance in wanting to fight you? Is it because of, uh, they view you as a high-risk, low-reward, or is it money, or they just simply don't want to fight and lose that title or lose that position? What is what is your opinion with all that you experienced and talked about? Please. I mean, I, I mean, that, that, that first thing you said, I did at one point in time, I did think that it was a um a high risk low reward. But when I pulled the top rank about the whole choke situation, that would have that pretty much would have been the um both for the both of us our career high payday. So definitely, so you had to basically you had to basically cross that out. And I think and I think it just came down to just honestly, if I'm being honest, um, some more of the style. So if you, if you if you look at Miguel Bertrell, and like I said, Miguel is, is is a good fighter. Like I mean, I respect him. 
He's he's number one in the big. I give him that number one. You know, one the division for a reason because he, you know, he's made on uh, what six titles. I give him that respect. So I don't think I don't think he's a pushover, but I think it still comes down to the the style. You watch um, his last few opponents. Most of those guys are um, are flat foot uh, orthodox fighters. You know what I mean? Who want to want to brawl and bang with? Them. I mean, look, look at the um, when he fought and Jason Sosa. They they would you know for the three four rounds they were going toe to toe. You know what I mean? But when you put it when you put a boxer in the mix, that's a, that's also a softball. You know, it can make things a little bit difficult. And I, I think and I think he's seen that up close when I fought Edo. And that's when, you know, like I said, because, like, he jumped in the ring or called for the invocation. So, you know, we basically, was, you know, was calling his bluff afterwards by chasing the fight, and we just never got it. Yeah, yeah, that was crazy uh, there in that instance there. Um, or, Terrell, you got uh, anything else to follow up with that? No, that, that's, that, that, that gives uh, some good substance right there. And I think one of the main things there right there, softball and, and, and style matchup. They, they don't want to look bad because, like I said, you put a box. I mean, we have so many examples of, of a boxer versus puncher in, in boxing history. And sometimes it comes out one way, sometimes it comes out the other way. But we already know that Burchell's been in place. He's been fighting certain type of fighters, and he has fought a, a true boxer like you. At that point, uh, you know, we already know you're allowing your feet, use your jab, you got energy throughout the fight. We know that. At that point, <laughs> they're like, uh, we don't want no parts of that, and that's going to make us look bad. And we don't yeah, want to go people, to the cars, things like that. So, and people also forget, though, you know, what I'm saying like the little things that the, the little things on, on um, you know, on, on on paper matter. Like I, I am, I'm actually tall. I'm taller than him. Like you guys can take pictures with him when we when we linked up in Vegas on on Valdez last night. We we ran each other. You know, I'm actually bigger than him. He maybe he's a bigger puncher, yeah, of course. But like, I'm not gonna let you just bully me physically like that at the beginning with. And then plus, like I said, if I got a box, I'm going to box. I'm not gonna sit there and stand there and bang with you, you know, twelve rounds. Like it won't even, it won't even last one round. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not, not that dumb, or you know, ignorant to sit there and think I'm gonna just bang with Miguel Butchella for twelve or how many rounds, whatever. So and I and I know him as a fighter and his team as a you know a good team behind him. They see all those things and like you know it's just a, it's just a bad style matchup. I mean, say if he say if he does get to win, whatever. It still, it still will be a, a hard, rough matchup for him because just, just simply off the style. So, staying on the business side, but like that's what, like you know, we spoke in, in Vegas, and there, there was no hard feelings like that. But that's just like, like for the people, that's that's just the business side of boxing. Like, it's business first because at the end of the day, you can't sit there and tell me that a unification matchup isn't you know bringing any real money to the table. So it's not, it's not one of those things where it's like a high risk low reward. It's two, it's two world titles in the line. Cause you, cause, so you can, can you really tell me personally, can you really see and say that a Jason Sosa matchup was more money on the table than a unification matchup with another world champion? I, I can't, you can't, you can't, you can't even say that. Nope, certainly can't, you know. And, and, and you know, the thing that you were talking about there with the, like uh, Terrell brought up with style matchups, uh, you know, with you being, you know, significantly taller, uh, then Miguel Burchell, so you'd be able to, you know, use that height reach against them. And, you know, I kind of find it interesting uh, that, you know, not only did they, you know, kind of like set up the whole thing with uh, Miguel Burchell and Oscar Valdez, but Miguel Burchell was able to, you know, have a fight over in Mexico City uh, against Elizar Valenzuela, and it was, I, I must say it straight up, it was one of those, um, you know, Mexican fights, you know, where they're able to 
have through the commission approved, you know, a guy that is, you know, there with the record of 30, 36 and 1 going up against a guy that's 21, 13 and 4. I'm like, yo, come on, man. Like, how are they going to, you know, how are they going to have those things, uh, you know, happen there in, in that instance and then just, you know, Brush that aside yeah. like it's nothing. Like it's, it's crazy, man. I do not like I said. I, I I don't like. I don't trash talk nobody. I just basically give, you know, what I see and what I know. So that's why people come at me like, oh, you begging for the fight, or you just talking crazy, or you, you Miguel Miguel was just knock you out. So all I say is this: like, you know, people. All right, listen. I, I don't. I'm not trashing Miguel, but Chuck, we 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 put our differences behind us. You know, whatever. When we see each other in Vegas at the end of November. All I'm saying for the people that always say that, oh, he'll he'll knock you out in in five six rounds. Then why didn't we make the fight then? If, if my if my title was easy to take, because I'm be honest yeah. with you, if I got a if I got a weak world champion in my division, and we're on the same street, whatever, with the same promoter, and I can have I, and I have the opportunity to take your title, I'll make. Listen, I'm putting every fight to the side to make sure I make that fight. But it had to, like yep. I said. Every time, every time, like, look, man, you can go to boxing scene, Google boxing scene, just type them both our names, and he personally said that he has no interest in a unification matchup, or one thing is that, or it's just that the fight's not big enough. Okay, whatever. I'm not, listen, I'm not going to yeah. argue with that, but the point is, like, if it, was, if it was an easy fight, because think about it, let's be real. Let's be real. Even um, when Jeff Horn had the WCO title, all the PBC welterweights were calling for him. He he's on the other side of the street, but they was calling for him. You know why? Because everybody felt that Jeff Horn was easy money, and it was just it, it, was, a, it, it was a it was a quick it was a quick um, fight to not to have a knock under 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 everybody else's belt by adding a, another world title to their you know what I'm saying to their resume. But like I said, yeah. like so, what's what's the difference with me? You know what I mean? Like, if, if it was easy money and I was gonna get knocked out as easily. I'm pretty sure Miguel and this team, their team would made that fight in November, and it's, we wouldn't even be having a talk right now. Yeah, exactly, man. I mean, it, <laughs> it's funny because they, they say it's like, uh, you know, if you if you want to go ahead and, 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 you know, get that title, you 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 do what it needs to be done in order to make that uh, unification about <laughs> happen. Uh, but, you know, with Miguel Burchell, you know, like I said, at the end of the day, man, I take that. I, I take it as a compliment because, like I said, you got to take the good with the good and the bad with the bad. And I look at it like this: if I was that easy work, that you know, what I'm saying, I, I was a bum or whatever people want to say when, when, when we when we argue about that fight, you know, what I mean, I would have been, you know, I, I, I we should have had this fight, you know, in no, last year in November. But like I said, um, mm-hmm. there's a reason why no one, no one, no one's taking this fight. It's to the point where you you see me personally, um, you know, because I, like I said, I, I'm a fan of the sport and I'm I'm, I'm a sportsman and, I, and I, I don't have to be an asshole, you know, and I ain't gotta you know downplay anybody to make a fight. But you, it's to the point where I was right. saying like, listen, I'm cool with Golden Boy. If Golden Boy when when they make a unification with my boy and it's my teammate, my Liberty teammate, y'all know JoJo's my Liberty teammate. But listen, if they yeah. don't make a unification with JoJo, we can go that right route. Um, I have no issues with PBC. I've been with the PBC. We all know that. If they if Leo Santa Cruz won, you know I call I call for that fight. I never got a response. You know what I mean? So it's to the point where I was actually you know myself. I've been like I've been trying to make you know a unification matchup with any of the world champions. You know, and not because I feel like you know they're 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 bums or easy to beat. No, I think they're all good fights. But I I, I said to myself in the beginning, and we all see in boxing today, there's too many damn world titles out here that 
the only way yeah. to separate yourself from other from other champions, you gotta start unifying titles. You know what I mean? And and I if you look at it, I've been the only one out here calling for unification matches with anybody. But when it comes to when it comes to other other champions, you never really you really never hear them like that. Oh, I wanna fight Jamel Herring all week. Cause I, I like I said, I don't like you I can give you you can have all the A side advantages. You can have it in your in your in your state or wherever you from to make the fight happen, because I don't, I don't really care for all that mess like that. But I still, I still never got it. You know, nobody ever came and said I want to fight Jamel Heron. Yeah, they never, you know, never mention your name. Not any of those champions, or you know, anything like that. Um, and, and the thing with, um, you know, you're talking about uh, Leo Santa Cruz. The funny part about it is that Leo Santa Cruz had that fight for that belt. And that belt was vacated, you know, by Kevontae Davis, and now they're trying to set up that fight between Kevontae Davis and Leo That's a crazy situation, man. I just, I just stay out of it because, <laughs> like I said, me and Tank, we already got it in the past about you know exchanging words, whatever. So I, I just leave that whole situation alone. Like I said, I was actually shocked when he even agreed to even go back down the way because we we've seen the issues. With the weigh-in for the um the Gamboa fight, so I was like, man, he must be really determined to fight Leo. If yeah. he's actually willing to go back down and wait, you know what I'm saying, to fight to fight Leo. But you know, it is what it is. So I'm, I'm just like me as a fan, I'm just sitting back and just watching everything that goes on. But like I said, if you go, you can understand my frustration. I was like, well, I, I'm not gonna be no action at 1:30, so I might as well just move back up to 1:35. So that's how I've been looking at it lately. But right now, I'm just I'm just taking it one fight at a time. I, I know the Frampton fight. The Phantom fight is um, definitely going to be a go. So you know, you know, sometime yeah. in November, November, and I was even willing to take the um, like I said, like like for me, I'm not really big on the whole A side B side because, like I said, I've been on the B side when I upset the A side with the Edo fight, but I was even willing to take the back seat from the co-main event. I mean, for the main event to even fight on the um, the Wilder Fury the third fight because I was like, hey, put me on that card with Phantom, and we'll, we could build it up from there. Yeah. Yep, I mean, and, and you know, when, when, when they did, uh, you know, start the thing about, you know, you being matched up against Frampton, you know, I was, you know, part of that movement to, like, say, hey, let, let's, let's get, let's get Jamel Heron paid, you know, let's get, let's get him at least that million dollars, you know, for the purse on this particular fight. If you, you have to go over to Belfast or whatever it is to give him that million. So I was, I was, like, <laughs> partly leading the charge to, you know, get you as much money as possible for that particular fight, you know, once they, you know, would be able to lock that down. So, uh, you know, kind of looking forward to uh, that particular matchup. But, you know, like you said, uh, you, you're still, you know, kind of like in the, you know, on the fence as far as like if they have something that's going to be set up for you uh, here within the next two or three weeks or so uh, for you to go back to uh, Las Vegas to, you know, have that particular fight. Right. You know, there regardless if it's you know for the super featherweight title or it's not. Um, so yeah, you do have that thing right there. Um, listen, man, the best, here, way, uh, the best way I can put it, the, listen, man, the best way I can put my whole, my whole situation, and I'm not comparing myself to him, but go back and and look at the um. I'm not comparing him. I'm not comparing this guy in terms of like skill wise, like because I give him so much respect. He's a hall of famer. But go look back at the career of Winky Wright. But being that 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 southpaw that people just didn't want to deal with, and how Winky was left out, you because we all like Winky's a priming that boy. Out. He was left out of like of a lot of big matches, or even given opportunity 
until, you know, the middle towards the end of his career. So that's how that's how I look at it. <laughs> like, I don't take it as, you know what I'm saying, oh, you're just some bum with it. I'm like, listen, you're just difficult. You're probably just difficult to deal with. And people just don't want, don't like the style of matchup. So I, I just look at it like that. And I, I look back at my, you know, Wiki Wright, one of my favorite fighters, you know, coming up. So I, I look back at his career and I'm like, I understand. Look at look at Marvin Hagler, another southpaw. He wasn't getting the respect until, you know, me towards, like I said, again, the middle towards the end of his career. Yeah, and, you know, you talk about uh, Wiki Wright. Yeah, he, he was kind of like, you know, on the outside looking in until, you know, we had his fight. Um, again, Sugar Shane Mosley, you know, for the belt. Right. That, yeah, that was March 13, 2004. It has to be March 13. Well, I know it's March 13 because that's my birthday, number one. And number two, I went to that fight. So it took until that particular point uh, for, you know, Wiki Wright to kind of like be in there to kind of like prove himself as the – you know, the top guy. Um, and, you know, once he did that and then he, you know, won the rematch against Shane Mosley, then that's where his, you know, um, you know, career shot off. And that what basically kind of like led him to, you know, become a eventual Hall of Famer later on down the line. So, yeah, you right. could, you know. But then, but if, you look at it, if you look at it, though, if you look at it, though, too, though, like what you tell, he still couldn't get the the, the, um, the huge payday, which was which was a fighting out to the Hoyle. Still, yeah. the they still had to stand up on fighting that dude. It wasn't – listen, like, that's why Winky was moving up to the middleweight to fight Jermaine Taylor, the light heavyweight to fight Hopkins. You know, he was like, man, listen, Winky had to move up, to, you know what I'm saying, to move up and down the weight divisions just just get those, um, you know, those high-profile fights. Mm-hmm. And he had that fight with Tito Trinidad at middleweight, I think, too. So, Oh, um, yeah, he shut him out. He shut him out 12 rounds, all 12 rounds. Yep, and that was pretty much his, his uh, I guess, his other high-profile fight other than the two Mosley fights. So that was, you know, basically, um, you know, all he had at that, that particular point. But, yeah, we, we're, we're going to be, you know, pushing for you to, you know, get those big matchups uh, because, you know, like you said, you've been trying to get these unifications and they, they're just not, you know, answering the call. And that, you know, that ain't right <laughs> right there. So, um, just a check uh, scene in here. Um, yo, Mike, Mike Grady, you still with us? Just see if he was uh, still listening in or not. Um, so we're just uh, checking in. If yeah, I'm still uh, here. Oh, true, true, true. Um, you had um, something here for uh, Jamel Heron before I go to the next topic? Uh, not at the moment. I was I was actually doing two things, and, you know, when you do two things, you, you do it very terribly, so. Uh, yeah, I'm doing something else. <laughs> gotcha, man. Gotcha. Now, uh, Mel, like you said, uh, you're, you're very active, uh, you know, on social media and very active when it comes to the, the sport of boxing. Um, you know, you've kind of like seen, um, some of the action that has been taking place at the, uh, bubble at Las Vegas. Uh, it, was there like anything that kind of stood out to you as far as like, uh, matches that happened? Um, you know, over the past few weeks, like, um, you know, with the Maloney brothers or the Josh Greer Jr., Mike Flanya fight or anything like that? Man, I'm glad. Listen, man, I'm glad, I'm glad you, you said it before I even get to, get to, um, even got to it. Like I said, anything that, 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 I, that I've seen that, that spotted out differently, yeah, man, it's been a lot of damn upsets. That's why, I like, there's nothing. Like, if I felt like I wasn't ready and I was still going through the whole, you know, um, 
cycle of the virus, I would have been like, even like, hey, just keep pushing the fight back uh, to another date or so. Because, like I said, there's been a lot of upsets. And a lot of these guys coming in as opponents, then you know they've been doing their thing. I mean, I mean, hell, look at look at look at Clay College. Now, now he went from basically being an opponent, and now you know he yeah. to the point where people keep calling to see him. You know what I mean? He just fought again. You know what I mean? So it's crazy. Like like I was like, man. I don't take nobody for granted at all because, like I said, a lot of really um, fighters are looking at, you know, this is their golden ticket. So you got you got to stay in your A game. But um, I was I was kind of I was, I was shocked what happened to my man Josh uh, with Greer. Even though I mm-hmm. knew that was gonna be a tough fight because I knew the opponent. Like I, I I've been watching the opponent. That you know that dude never can. He doesn't come down come to lay down. So I knew it was gonna be a tough fight. But I thought you know Greer would still you know do what he had to do to, to pull out. And, 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 and go from here, but yeah, man, um, it ain't a joke. Yeah, the, yeah. The thing with Mike Klein, I mean, they, they kind of like was saying before the fight. This is something that Josh Greer, you know, had to watch out for. And you know, in the previous fights that Josh Greer had, it didn't look like he was, you know, completely, uh, you know, impressive in those fights. And Mike Klein, you know, was coming in there, and he was you know, fighting as a division above uh, Josh Greer Jr. was. So you know, once they made this particular matchup, it was like either, you know, Josh Greer had to do something to overwhelm Mike Klein or Mike Klein might be able to walk through those punches. And that's pretty much what he did kind of early. And then he was still able to get that, you know, hook in, you know, pretty much throughout the fight. And so, you know, Josh Greer hit the canvas in the first and sixth round. Um, and, you know, Ponyo was able to get that victory over Josh Greer. Yeah, I thought that was a, you know, fairly surprising um, bout right there um, in that one. And, you know, the other one was the um, thing with the Maloney brothers. They were, you know, featured <laughs> for that week. And then, you know, you had the first bout uh, that was there. And <laughs> without saying, like, he, you know, he was just not ready for that particular bout. I was like, oh, man. Like, Franco was, you know, there, yeah, I, and he I think, just I think, got I think in with them. Yeah, man, I think with them was they was thinking that, you know, due to this whole pandemic, they was probably coming in you know, with the Maloney situation that it was just going to be, you know, a, a tune-up or whatever you want to call it. And, mm-hmm. you know, just, 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 just to keep them busy and, like I said, man, when you got like that's not that's how I look at that with my fight. Like, listen, man, when you got a world title on the, on the line, you know you can't expect these guys to come there thinking they they they're just gonna lay down. Like, man, you got you got to go out there and set that tone in the beginning, earn that respect. Because if they, if they if you give these guys confidence and they feel they can they can they can they can roll with you in there, they're gonna, all they're gonna do is for the most part is get stronger and better as the fight went on. And you've seen that with Franklin's situation, he just kept coming. And you know, I, and I know Robert Garcia because I've been to his gym. Them dudes, you know. The pandemic, again, the pandemic did not slow them down because Robert's gym is literally in his backyard. Yeah, his his gym yeah. could have been in his backyard. So it's not like during the pandemic when they had buildings closed or whatever gyms closed. No, Robert's gym stayed open twenty four seven. So I know them, I know those guys was working, and you know Franco basically proved that. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and yeah, he just you know kept coming and kept coming and. <laughs> And Maloney, Andrew Maloney was just not ready for it. And in that 11th round where, you know, uh, Franco was coming in and he just led in with the punch to the body and then came up top and then just continued with that body and then came up top. And that was just, you know, 
that just overwhelmed Andrew Maloney in that one. And I was like, man, yeah, he was just beating him down in that one. Right. Yeah. Uh, so they had that. Uh, they had that particular bout. Um, uh, what what was another one here? I mean, they had the latest thing there with Dayho. We had that one, you know, first round knockout win there. Um, Carlos to come, uh, you know, being able to come in at semi short notice. Um, you know, we had come in with you know his his dad uh, transitioning. I think it was like a week be- week before the fight, and he was still able right. to go in there, take care of business, and you know defeat Jerry Force. Uh, there by unanimous decision. I thought that was, you know, uh, another uh, good little bout right there. Yeah, man. Like I said, there's been a lot of um, been a lot of good, um, exciting fights. So, I mean, I, I've been entertained. Of course, you had some matchups that that people felt that, you know, they shouldn't be on TV, whatever. But like, uh, give top ranking now ESPN credit. They, they're doing what they can. You know what I mean? A lot. I mean, people complaining about some of these fights, but if you look around. A lot of the promoters they haven't they haven't even even jumped back into boxing yet. So you gotta just you know just be right. happy with what you got. But for the most part, there have been some good matchups, especially on the um if I could say like on on the prospect level. You know at least they, I, I love how these prospects are getting a lot of shine on on the main flagship. Exactly. You know what I mean? And so I, I, that, that's that's what that's what I like more about the series. Like we we get to see you know the younger up and coming talent you know showcase what they do on a on, uh, on a national international level now. And, and, and like I said, watch their careers mm-hmm. grow. Cause I don't, who who is who is the dude? Um, I think what's his name, Elvis Rodriguez, at Walt, at, at Junior Welterweight. I like the dude. You know what I mean? The dude, the dude, the dude can fight. I see him fight live, but it's good to see him back in there. You know, coming back and, he, and his profile is growing. Mhm. Yeah, and and that's you know the one thing that you know I was like talking about in the months leading up to these first set of fights at the bubble is that you know this could be you know the opportunity for um, those prospects to be, you know, featured, you know, on their, you know, on, on these particular bouts. And so, like, you know, for for those that want to get themselves out there, you know, they should be able to jump at the chance to kind of like have that opportunity to be a part of one of these cards uh, here because, you know, we've kind of like went through, you know, almost what, seven weeks or so uh, of these bouts uh, coming through. So, um, and you see, you see what happens with, you know, somebody like a Clay Collard, um, you see how his uh, profile then boosted up, you know, uh, as far as he did, um, you know, by being part of this. So, you know, I'm kind of like seeing, you know, some of these other fighters that are out there, see if they could, you know, be uh, part of this, um, you know, particular thing at the bubble. Um, and I know that they have, um, what is this uh, coming up? Uh, oh, yeah, Oscar Valdez is going to be on uh, here Tuesday, scheduled for Tuesday. And um, I think what they have, um, I was trying to see what was uh, on, on slate for Thursday, but I can't uh, find that here at this particular point. But, yeah, I mean, it, that's that's what we have um, here until, what is it, like August 1st is when we have, like, anything of, uh, you know, another um, of another uh, promotion coming up other than uh, the thing for uh, Golden Boy, which I think I'm trying to uh, find that. Uh, Virgil Ortiz Jr. Um, you know was supposed to be uh, coming up there, so so that's what you know we got coming you know coming down the pipe there. But we we still have to have you know you 
in their in action. So we got to see if we can get any updates for that, uh, so that you can be in the ring sometime in August. So that's what we're looking forward to. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, like, like you know, me. This is me using my, you know, my promoter's hat. <laughs> like I told them, like just, just put put me on the same week, which is would pretty much would be the um the second week of August. But it, it'd be the same week that Frampton fights, and we go up for that as a build up. You know what I mean? Yeah. I know for a fact that I'll, I'll be back around that time. But like I was telling everybody else, like I just can't tell you at this point in time if it even be a title fight or just a regular 10-round fight, you know, because we're two. Because if I say if me and Frampton both fight in um, mid-August, um, we would have to be, and, and they scheduled us a fight in November, we would have to actually go back to camp in September. So, you know what I mean? It's like, do you really want to take a, a high-risk, you know, type of fight or, and risk getting injured or whatever just to, you know, and then go right back into camp for a bigger fight? So, I think that's how they look at it. But, like I said, I can't even call it right now. I don't even know, you know, who I'm fighting or if I'm fighting, if, if, uh, if the Okeno fight even, even on the on the table right now because it's getting mm-hmm. too close to, you know, to, to bigger things. So, I'm just putting it out there as a perspective. Well, I, I I could just you know add into that and say that okay y'all could have you know fight the fights over in August, but then like you said put the thing uh, there on December and have it be a co-feature about two Wilder Fury three and whatnot so that you would you would at least have some time to rest. Hey, I in call for I, I call for that too, man. Trust me. Trust me, I call you for know. that too. But I'm be real. I'm be, I'm be real with you guys. I'm I'm hearing though that November is supposed to be another another big card as well. That's why you know I've been hearing some things going on. So just look out for that. And you'll probably then when you look back on the conversation, you'll see what I, what I meant. But I've been hearing a lot of <laughs> something big was to put, come off in November. So that's what they're trying to you know they're trying to build the card in November for something you know to be oh. something big. So oh. yeah, just keep that in mind, bro. I'll reserve my thoughts on that because I may have a guess as to what that may be. So I'm going to hold that off until later on down the line because I think I have a particular fighter in mind for that uh, fight uh, fight card or the headline that fight card. So um, if it's what I kind of think it is, then yeah, that could be a, a really big, you know, significant fight card uh, there for November. So you know, that's you know, that's what I'm you know kind of like looking into as far as like news for uh, these fights that are starting to be announced here later on. Oh yeah, but yeah, but like you said, at the end of the day, man, either I'll just I'll just say this: I'll be happy with either November or December. So like that's what I'm saying. I'm not. If I gotta come back and get back in the gym and grind, um, September, you know, then so be it. But like I said, I think November and December should be it should be um, two 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 big cards, you know, to finish up the year in terms of boxing. Yeah, I feel you. I feel you, man. I feel you. Now, um, I wanted to like you know go back into you know the thing you were talking about, you know, with your family, with your son, man, and you know how how you kind of like you know. Talk about like being out there working out with your son, um, you know, and that's been a, a great little experience there that you've had. But like, kind of like going to, um, you know, how it is uh, with your family during this particular time period, uh, you know, since you know this whole thing with COVID nineteen. 
I mean, like, you know, for the for most part, I'm just happy that I got, you know, sick or whatever away from my family because, like I said, the worst thing that can happen is not only spreading that mess, but, you know, spreading right. to, you know, your love that you know. So that's why I'm like, you know, that's why I'm just taking this week or so off just to enjoy, you know, time with them before start it up again in terms of school, whatever, because, like like I pointed out, man, I, I, even when I go back, I'm going back to Omaha next Monday to get back and to really get back into the mix of things. But even after I fight in August, I probably take maybe a couple of weeks off before I jump back into you know another another big training camp. So right now I'm just taking this even just like the little things that count, man. So I'm just I'm taking you know every I'm not taking anything for granted. Any, you know I mean like like I said I'm enjoying life, especially with my kids and my kids and my wife. So I'm just trying to make the most of it because I know like I said when I get back in that gym I'm be solely focused on you know on you know grinding and, and taking care of business for my career. Yeah, feel you, feel you. I mean, that, that's that's the thing, man. Just you know, grinding and and uh, like I said, uh, being there so that you can be ready for the next fight uh, coming down. And you know that, you know, like you said, you, you have that potential about either November or December against Carl Frampton, and and that's the you know that's the one that I'm you know looking forward to in, in that one. And you know, as long as you're you know still there, still preparing, then. Uh, you'll you'll be you know ready for you know whatever uh, they have for you you know whether it's you know for August or you know something later on down the line in uh, November or December right there. Right. You know so um, you know that's um, you know I, I pretty much like covered as much as you can out here you know had you on here for you know about an hour man so I mean I'm very thankful for you to. Uh, join in uh, for this particular uh, podcast, man, and uh, definitely looking forward to, you know, latest news and notes with you um, in the next uh, couple of weeks or so. Appreciate that, man. Like I said, it's all love, man. You know, if I get the time, I don't, I don't mind sitting down to chat with you, bro. Oh, no doubt, no doubt, man. Just thanks very much for uh, coming in there and uh, taking the time to be part of the Boxing Source radio show. Appreciate that, bro. All right, no doubt, no doubt. Um, so that there you have it. You have the WBO Super Featherweight Champion of the World, Jamel Semperfy Herring did, you know, to join us. Uh, he went through, you know, as much as he possibly could and as far as, like, what the situation was, you know, over the past few weeks or so uh, when it came to the testing and everything like that. Um, if you missed that particular part, uh, you could, you know, go back to it um, through the simulcast that's on YouTube, or you could, you know, catch it uh, when it's uploaded to Anchor.fm. It will be available on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, um, or, you know, whatever uh, podcast uh, app that you use, it should be available on there. Um, hopefully, hopefully, uh, we will have the podcast also available on iHeartRadio. So I'm looking uh, to have the Boxing Source uh, podcast on iHeartRadio uh, later on down the line. So that's uh, something that I'm, you know, kind of like looking forward to. But uh, one of the things that he did kind of mention before uh, he rolled out was that, you know, there may be another uh, big card coming up. Uh, of course, we know about the thing with uh, the third fight between Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder and trying to uh, put that down for December. 
And so we have something else for November, and I think that he he may have dropped a little bit of a clue on there uh, because he usually trains in a certain area uh, where a another well-known uh, world champion is from. So I think that that particular um, fight card in November is going to involve that world champion. Um, and I think it will be one matchup that I thought would happen, but if they have this thing be official, then, yeah, I'm going to definitely be looking forward to it. Um, and it's uh, in the uh, quote-unquote glamour division in boxing. So I'm kind of seeing that that is going to be uh, – the fight uh, that's going to be slated uh, for November. Um, so that's um, you know, what I'm looking forward to in that. Um, just wanted to, you know, kind of, you know, look look into the uh, news and notes that, you know, we're here in boxing. I uh, did, you know, talk about um, from Thursday night, you had in the uh, main event, uh, Felix Verdejo going up against Will Madera, and Felix Verdejo had, you know, <laughs> busted, uh, you know, um, Will Madeira in, in the first round uh, to, you know, go to 27-1. and one. Um, You know, this is uh, Felix Verdejo that, you know, was kind of like um, boosted to be like the next uh, superstar uh, from Puerto Rico to follow the likes of Miguel and Cotto or Tito Trinidad. Uh, but, uh, you know, he had, you know, the issue with the accident and, you know, also a couple of other struggles. So it's kind of like he's kind of trying to get back into it as far as, like, being one of the top guys uh, there, um, you know, there in the sport and, you know, also within that, um, you know, the division. So he's kind of like being there around the lightweight division and we are, we know about, you know, all the guys that are at lightweight, you know, the Vasilomachenkos, the, you know, Teofimo Lopez, the Devin Haney, the, you know, thing there with Ryan Garcia. Um, and now, you know, you'll have uh, Felix Verdejo uh, there seeing if he could campaign uh, there, excuse me, in the uh, lightweight division. So um, it's, it's very stacked there at lightweight. And, you know, if he's able to, you know, have himself be entered in as one of the guys that could contend for a world title um, later on down the line, then, I mean, he he could work to uh, that particular point. Uh, so you had that there with Felix Verdejo uh, winning in that uh, main event. Um, so that's uh, something that, you know, we're kind of like looking into. Uh, you also had there on Tuesday, uh, Michaela Mayer uh, being uh, winning over um, – the, uh, you know, game, but, you know, pretty much overwhelmed uh, Helen Joseph uh, there by a uh, 10-round decision. Uh, so she's, you know, still positioned there to, like, contend for a world title, the WBC world title uh, in her weight class. Um, so kind of like waiting to see what happens, you know, you know, pretty much with that. Um, so they kind of like saying that, they want to position Michaela Mayer uh, there for that world title, and um, she 
is like slated, like I said, for the uh, WBC uh, world title uh, there. And that is, you know, currently held um, currently held there um, by, you know, the um, English, uh, the English one, um, uh, excuse me there, just had a, a little bit of a little freeze in there, but uh, he had there with Terry Harper uh, there from uh, United Kingdom. Uh, she has that WBC title, and I think we, like, talked about uh, that in a um, previous uh, podcast, um, how she was able to be positioned to fight for the WBC uh, Super Featherweight Championship uh, there before Michaela Mayer. And now she has uh, a fight coming up against Natasha Jonas on August 7th. Uh, they're over at that matchroom fight camp. And so they're trying to see after this particular fight that uh, Terry Harper has, that they're going to have Terry Harper there against Michaela Mayer for that WBC title uh, there and whatnot. So uh, that's what, you know, we you know kind of have there uh, coming up. Uh, you know, I did talk about what's uh, on slate for Tuesday, and you know, we do have um, Virgil Ortiz Jr. going up against Samuel Vargas on Friday, July 24th. Uh, and that's going to be on the zone. Uh, so that's kind of going to show like more boxing is starting to slowly get back into it uh, here um, in you know in the uh, U.S. So you have that coming up. Um, you know, we had like a few, you know, a few other um, announcements that are, you know, happening in reference to uh, the sport of boxing. Like I said, Virgil Ortiz Jr. against Samuel Vargas on July 24th. Um, looking forward to August 15th with that card that features Julio uh, Cesar Martinez against McWilliams Arroyo. Um, so got a lot of action going down uh, there. So, um You'll have a few things that are coming up, but uh, just checking in uh, with Mike. If Mike is still with us or if he's still multitasking out there. So, uh, Mike, you still multitasking? I don't know. Uh, sit, sit down now. I can uh, be present and mindful. All right, gotcha, gotcha, man, gotcha. You know, had to, you know, put that work in and, you know, now you could uh, you know, basically rest, but. Um, you know, just let's kind of run it through a few things with the news and notes there. But, um, you know, uh, Jamel Herring was, you know, good as far as, like, you know, providing all the information uh, needed. But, I mean, he's always been an open book. So he's not someone that, you know, kind of like holds back when it comes to information about, you know, what's going on with him or, you know, what's, you know, around the scene where he's at. Um, so, you know, what what did you think about you know what he was talking about with his uh, testing and all of that? Uh, to be real, Jay, I didn't I didn't really uh, hear. It. That's why I said I was multitasking and I really wasn't being as mindful as I could have. Uh, so you missed <laughs> so you missed out on that. Yeah, I missed, I'm sorry, man. My bad. Gotcha, uh, but gotcha. I'm now. I can talk about the fights on Thursday if you want. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry I wasn't present. Oh, the past Thursday, like the thing with uh, Verdejo? Verdejo, uh, wasn't it another fighter? Uh, or was that two weeks ago where the fighter, he was he was kind of lanky for the division, and he was strong. He kind of had, like, real nice movement and stuff. Was that two weeks ago? Or Verdejo was, the, was the, the, you know, the main fight last week? Uh, 
Verdejo was the main event um, on Thursday. Gotcha. But was there on the on uh, like a card below beneath him? Was there like that lanky guy who who fought? Um, I don't know, but the dude looked real good. Like I, uh, I think that whoever that guy is, I got to find his name. But you know, he will be something to reckon with. He was a uh, a Mexican guy, I guess. Um, I think he was Mexican. I'm not sure, but he didn't bite like the normal Mexican style. He, you know, was very kind of slick. But he was he was long for the division. Uh, will put you in the mind maybe of a Canelo, you know, like, you know, had power and things like that. But, um, you know, Canelo in that Canelo don't fight like the regular Mexican style. He he fight differently. So, um, was that two weeks ago? Or was that this week? Um, may have been may have been two weeks ago because um, you know the the thing for uh, Thursday you had you know someone in at, at the featherweight division. Uh, there in uh, Martino Jules, but you also had Jared, Jared uh, Big Baby Anderson uh, as part of that particular card on Thursday. So it was, you know, most likely uh, the one from uh, a couple of weeks ago that you were talking okay. about. So remind yeah. me what happened in the Vadejo fight. He uh, he ran through the dude, right, in like one or two rounds? Yep. One round, yep. yep. Okay, that's why I don't uh, remember it now. Yeah, pretty much. He he like once he got him hurt and then got him to the ropes and he just overwhelmed him and then knocked him pretty much almost folded him. Uh, so oh, that's oh, why. Oh was, yeah, I remember now that knockout. Wow. Okay, that's the knockout they kept repeating and stuff. Okay, I remember. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I, I got comments on it now. So I feel like the shot that I feel like the um, like the uppercut did a lot of damage, but the the shot that really that did it for him was like the shot right after the uppercut, which was like the uh, the looping right hand, like the overhand looping right hand that landed yeah. like on his ear or behind his ear. I think that was a shot that really did it. And then everything else he threw was just, you know, the dude was like, it was just, you know, he was just a, a sitting duck at that point. Yep. Um, yeah. But I, I like how he, you know, when he had the guy hurt, you know, he, he came at him with, with the, uh, with the intensity that he needed to. Uh, the guy looked like he had some skill. Like, you could tell that he definitely had something there, but, you know, he just like, like um, when what's-his-name knocked out the other young young black guy, Lubin. When Lubin got knocked out by Charlo, you know, like, you could tell Lubin had skill, but, hell, if you if you get beat to the to the punch by a lion and, and they grab you by the neck, what can you do? Yep, pretty much. Uh, um, thing from a couple of weeks ago. Um, you sure it wasn't the uh, Pedraza fight? The one with no, no, no. I know Pedraza. I know Pedraza. It wasn't Pedraza. It, it was. It was another guy. It was like a lanky guy for his weight division. He was lanky and taller, but the dude was slipping. He was doing like all type of. He had great combinations. I could find it because I wrote about it in the uh, chat in our chat. But you know, he had great combinations. He. He just 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 did a lot of things well uh, for his size, and let me see if I can find it. But I have mentioned about it, but the guy looked pretty good. Hmm. As he had that, you had uh, Alex Sarcedo, uh that fought, but that that was like at the end of June. Um, Maybe I didn't comment on it. Yeah. Um. So it was like, yeah, a few of them. Uh, oh, yeah, that, you're right, it you was know, two weeks ago. 
the dude named Castro. It was Castro. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, because he had the on the um, to come to come part. Oh, the oh the undercard. Oh, for that, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep, yeah, yeah. Man, I, I think I like that dude. You know, he uh, I'm definitely gonna watch him again. Yeah, he yeah he he's yeah he he was like pretty good in that one. Um, I thought there was like another um. It was like another fight that was on there where they were like boosting the guy up, and he was part of the main event because they had moved him up to the main event. But he wasn't like uh, you know all that impressive in in, in his uh, win because he had uh, he had like won by decision or something like that. But like they would like yeah, to boost him up like he was going to be a world title contender, and he you know he just didn't. You know, um, he didn't like finish off his opponent. He had like he said he had issues with his back or something like that. I was like, uh, like yeah, I had to do a little bit better than that when once you get against a guy that you know you really shouldn't be in the same ring with. But I mean, you had that, oh, yeah. and you know, you had um, you know, my thing with um, Carlos Takam, I was like impressed with that. You know, with him being able to, you know, go in there in short notice and being able to defeat Forrest, and well, Forrest just showed up and just didn't really do that much uh, for most of the fight. It took him until like round six or round seven for him to do anything. Um, that's and, the one left hand and two right feet, right? Yep, that's right. That's right. Yep. <laughs> you know, and and I was like, man, come on, man, got to be able to, you know. Step in there and say, hey, you, you had the instance where, you know, he could have fought on February 29th uh, over in Texas, and that fight fell through, and then they put him in here again, and he was supposed to fight Jarrell Miller, and that fight fell through, but they still kept him on the card, and they called Carlos Sakam, and Carlos Sakam said, hey, all right, hey, I'm here, man. I could do it. I could come over, and I could be ready, and that's exactly what he did. You know, he was yep. ready for it. You know, so uh, you had a lot more than than what than what he was. He was ready more than um than Forrest was. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yep, yeah, that's true. Now um, I had like a couple of things that was uh, going through the news wire, but there was that part about um Michael Hunter, um. And you always had recent news about Michael Hunter not being renewed under matchroom boxing. Uh, so he's basically a free agent. And you know, all kind of like, you know, find that interesting um, because, you know, we had that fight against Alexander Pavek in uh, last uh, December 7th. And, I mean, for me, I, I thought, you know, after the first couple of rounds, I thought he should have been able to defeat Alexander Pavek in, but he, for me, he he allowed Pavekin to get back in the fight, and it ended up being a draw. And I'm like, Michael Hunter should have been able to, you know, overtake Alexander Pavekin and get that win. And because of that decision, you see what happened with Alexander Pavekin. They put him in a position to fight Dylan White for the WBC interim title, and Michael Hunter's you know, sitting around there with no fight, nowhere, no house. So they're like, "Um, we can't find something for you. So we're going to just, you know, not renew 
you know, the contract. So he's like up in the air right now, and maybe he could join the top rank or something, you know. Maybe they could have him in there. Yeah, um, I think his stature, his, like, body um, makeup will make him not he, – he will only have success against guys like Povetkin and things like that. And even there, you see that, like you, like exactly what you said, which I'm paraphrasing, you you wonder if he gave a bit more, could he have edged Povetkin and it would not have been a draw. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you just always want something. It's like when that's my first time watching him, and it's like, yeah, you you want can you give a bit more? Can you you know risk yourself being fatigued just a bit more? Like I, I get it, you can't be Anthony Joshua and go balls against the wall and like you know gas out. But at times it just looked like all he had to do was just crank it up just a little bit more on Pavekin, and he would have landed the shots and stuff, and you know gave Pavekin a reason to quit. So. If if he's not fighting guys like Pavetkin, guys like maybe um, Joseph Parker, guys like you know short guys, but guys short relative, short to like the the super heavyweights, um, mm-hmm. I don't think he'll have success. I don't think he'll have success against uh, Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua. Um, I mean him and Dylan White. Who knows? You know Dylan White punches and tries to like knock people out, so it's just questionable if he would win that. Um, maybe maybe Joseph Parker could win a boxing match, but you know, like it's just hard to see and know with people at his same height level and stuff like that, like how well he would do. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, topic on Deontay Wilder, I I question, you know, like let's say he got that dent in his head from um, Tyson Fury not having, you know, padding his gloves. I wonder how will he fare in the future because, you know, head injuries are real in boxing, and will he be like Bermain Stavern, you know, going forward? That's that's my question. Should he is, – is this time of him being off all this time good for him, and should he be off longer than the damn pandemic? And and even then, should he not even box anymore? That's my question about Deontay Wilder. Would him have a, a damn dent in his head, you know? Like, should he box anymore? That's my question. And and if if so – I would be sad, but I would I would prefer the man's health than to see him go out like getting punched by like soft punches or jabs, and he literally you can see him having a concussion in, in ring like Bermain's to burn is is now doing or whatever. Um, yeah, I know I, I skipped subjects on you, but that that was also my thought. Okay, so uh, going on the two things uh, here, you know, Michael Hunter uh, there, you know, like you were saying uh, with him having the you know the height. Uh, that he does, he would have a very tough time against the likes of uh, Tyson Fury or Deontay Wilder or Anthony Joshua there because they're, you know, significantly taller than he is. Um, you know, when I, I mean, I've seen him in uh, two, you know, separate occasions uh, in 2019. Like the first two fights um, that he had in 2019, one over in MGM National Harbor, uh, he had like a quick win in that one. Um, and then, uh, he went up against Sergey Kuzmin, and, and the fight against Kuzmin, I thought, like, that fight would have been something that would have kind of, you know, made him be, you know, a little bit more on the impressive side that says, okay, hey, he, he was able to come from cruiserweight up to heavyweight, and he is able to, like, you know, really do some things uh, here 
you know, in the heavyweight division. Yeah, you know, he had a few wins, you know, against likes of Martin McCauley and Alexander Usnov, but, you know, against a guy like undefeated Sergey Kuzmin, uh, who kind of like came in there a little bit heavy. So I, I, I thought that I would have seen, you know, Michael Hunter be able to move, you know, pretty good uh, there in that particular bout, but it was kind of like, like not – that impressive uh, to me um, in that particular instance. And, you know, following up with the fight against Alexander Povetkin, I mean, you had you were overwhelming Povetkin there in the first two rounds, and then all of a sudden you had them slowly get back into the fight. Um, it makes the, you know, second half of the fight be, you know, back and forth between y'all two. And that's what ended up, you know, having that fight end up being a draw. Uh, so I was like, you know, that kind of, like, really got me uh, there in reference to Michael Hunter. So, you know, him facing the likes of a, you know, a, a, a Deontay Wilder or Tyson Fury or Anthony Joshua might not be, you know, uh, good for him, but, you know, someone like a, a Joseph Parker, maybe, or um, it would be interesting if you if he would be there against the likes of a, um, Andy, uh, Adam Kalnacki. Uh That could be an interesting matchup there. Or oh, yeah. against a Charles Martin too. Um, that would be you know yeah. interesting because you know right now at this particular point it's still you know they're having him as teetering around the top ten or so uh, within the heavyweight division. So if they're saying that, then I mean maybe he can you know get himself in a position to you know kind of like fight for a world title um, later on down the line, but. You know, I think, you know, him against Joseph Parker would be a very good matchup to see where both of those guys are at this particular point of their careers. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. That That is a, definitely a good matchup. Yeah. So, uh, you do have that. And um, uh, the thing with Deontay Wilder, uh, we got to see, like, what, what he's going to be at in this particular point. Um, you know, he had the thing where he got, you know, hit in the back of the head. Uh, he said that he suffered an injury with his arm, that he had to go in uh, for surgery for that. Um, but, you know, looking at uh, videos that have been you know, out over the past few weeks, it seems like he's, you know, pretty much at a 100% or something like that. So, you know, maybe he'll, you know, have those preparations ready. Um, it's still going to be a good almost five months or so uh, before the third fight with Tyson Fury. And, you know, the previous year he had that um, – we had that gap um, where he – I mean, not the previous year, but 2018, where he had fought Luis Ortiz in March, at the beginning of March. And then in December he fought Tyson Fury that first time. So he's had those extended, you know, type of uh, layoffs before. Um, but, you know, it, it, it kind of is uh, a little bit up in the air as far as, like, how he'll end up being uh, if he does step into the fight against Tyson Fury uh, sometime in December. So that's uh, one thing to kind of, like, look into. Um, one thing that, you know, I'm seeing here is that, saying that the former uh, former Super Welterweight World Champion Julian J. Rock Williams 
says that he is planning to move up to 160 pounds after uh, two fights. Um, and he, you know, recently had a surgery, um, you know, around his eyes. Um, and then he said that he wants the two fights to be, you know, one being an interim bout and then a follow-up bout with a title shot against the winner between Jason Rosario and Jamel Charlo. Um, so he's like, he wants to have those two fights and then move up to, you know, move up to 160 pounds. Like, for me, I, I don't know. I don't know about this because, I mean, for, I, I feel like he's, you know, there where he needs to be at 154. Um, the losses that he had, you know, against, you know, uh, Jamal Charlo and against Jason Rosario, uh, both of those guys seem to be significantly bigger than Julian Williams. So for him to, like, say that he'll move up, that's – I don't know about that, you know. I mean, you know, as as we know, like, how this thing is with, um, you know, a lot of these fighters, they go they, – they're at a higher weight, and then they move down to the weight that they fight in. So for J-Rock Williams there, it's like, what is he, you know, coming down from in order to fight at 154 pounds? Like, it's not like he – I don't know if he's, you know, walking around at, like, 175 or something like that to get down to 154. You know, that's something that, you know, uh, uh, Jared Hurd does or, you know, something that Jamal or Jamal Chalo did. But someone like uh, Julian Williams, he does that, and, and he goes from, you know, whatever he's at to 160, then he'll be fighting guys that are coming down from a 175 to or up to 180 down to 160. Will he be able to, you know, kind of uh, handle those guys at the middleweight division if he if he does that? I don't know. So he says he wants to fight which guys now? Are he willing to fight uh, which guys? He'll he'll have like an interim bout at 154 pounds first. Then he'll await the winner of Jamel Charlo versus Jason Rosario, and see about having a you know a fight against you know the winner of those guys. And so, where he normally fight at now? One hundred fifty-four. Okay, but you say he's debating on going up. If he if he don't get those guys, what do you say about him going up now? That if he goes up to 160, it's, it's going to be tough for him because when when he lost to when he lost to Jamal Charlo, like he, you know, for those first four rounds or so, he was doing good as far as like boxing well against Jamal Charlo. But when once Jamal Charlo was able to get to the inside and hit him with you know uppercut and the power shots, like. J-Rock couldn't really handle it that much, you know. So I see, like, the same thing happen to him against Jason Rosario earlier this year, where once Jason Rosario was able to get to the inside and, and throw power punches that, you know, J-Rock wasn't able to handle that. So if he can't handle that at 154, I, I don't see how he's going to be able to handle that at 160. 
Yeah, I would tend to agree. Um, I would guess that he thinks that he will be that much faster and, you know, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. But, you know, if they got the damn floss water and they hit you, it's uh, it's going to yeah. be exactly like, like, like it is every other time when he get hit by the floss water. The guys concuss his ass and, you know, um, yeah, that's that's real interesting, though. Um, I, I would be interested to see his rationale behind that or what guys he thinks he can exploit at uh, mm-hmm. 160, which which may be a strategic thing. It may, may be something strategic that he feels that he can beat a particular guy at 160, and that pass may be a little bit easier than going against you know the bruisers that that are going to keep coming at him and hit him with that one shot that 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 just takes him you know his wits out. But yeah, um, maybe maybe he don't think that. I mean, I'm not saying he does, but maybe there's something there that you know the guys that did beat him, which is um, Rosario and um, um, and Jamal Charlo. Just, well, his brother beat him, but but the other Charlo. Maybe maybe he's just you know like should I even put myself through that you know like should I just should I take should I take a more strategic route because believe it or not he didn't fault guys that like like he didn't fault a tough schedule even though Rosario is very beatable from my from my perspective like if you got the right guy that doesn't get hit clean like J Rock does then you can beat Rosario right. like yeah. like J Rock if I recall he was you know winning the exchanges but. He just get hit way too clean, too clean with his head just just sitting there, like and he moves yeah. too though. But he just it just like he have lapses at times. He just have lapses and like forget to do something, and then he just get cold cocked, and then you know he can't take a punch. So he's going up to one sixty. A good idea. Do you go up to one sixty, and maybe have guys who can swing harder, but you can see the punches better. Or do you stay at 154 with guys who have just as much speed as you and, you know, you getting cold cart because you can't see the speed as well as you probably could at 160 or something? I don't know. I don't know what's the, the rationale. I would think that his chances might be at uh, 154. Or maybe he just, you know, maybe he, like you said, in terms of him making a weight, there's something there that uh, makes him feel that it, in terms of weight he'll um, he'll do better at 160. Or maybe he won't be yeah, able to swing Yeah, I, but that was the thing. I mean, after this fight uh, that, you know, Julian Williams had against Jason Rosario, it was like, you know, he he said, like, he wasn't, you know, doing all too hot uh, leading into the fight, um, that, you know, he was dealing with some type of illness or whatnot, and I guess he said he was having trouble making weight or whatever it is, but you know, this is, you know, somebody that, you know, kind of, um, you know, was there around that uh, super welterweight division. I mean, he's had a couple of times when he's, you know, been above 154 pounds, but it's not like he, you know, is fully, um, you know, fully there in the middleweight division. So, I'm, you know, I'm not too certain about him making that transition uh, from 154 pounds to 160, especially when, you know, if you, you know, you take her out, uh, uh, Jamel Charlo and Jason Rosario, you still have, you know, uh, potential rematch against Jared Hurd. 
You still have Eric Lubin out there. You still have Tony Harrison. You still have, you know, world champion Patrick Teixeira. Erislandi Lara is still out there. Um, Brian Carlos Castaño is still out there. So there's still, like, a good number of fights that can be made at 154 pounds uh, for you in, instead of, like, going up there to 160 where you could face the likes of Jamal Charlo again or if they don't have to make this fight official, but it looks like it's going to be official, um, Sergey Derevianchenko. Uh, so you have Derevianchenko that's out there. You have Chris Eubank, um, Demetrius Andrade, Jaime Munguia. Like, I don't know, like, where he would kind of, like, fit in at 160 pounds for him to uh, basically compete uh, there so that he would be around that um, – top part of the middleweight division. That's going to be uh, fairly difficult right there. Um, so, so you have that news. Um, I think I had mentioned the thing with uh, Effie Jogba. Effie Jogba, I think he's kind of leaning towards um, uh, being uh, part of top rank. I don't know if that's official or not, but he does have um, – he did – Agreed to be uh, with uh, Jay Prince, so Jay Prince is his uh, manager now. Um, so we're gonna see like what what's going to happen here with uh, you know F. Jagba, but you know we kind of you know were uh, a bit skeptical about Jagba as far as like his uh, level of um, skill in the heavyweight division. Uh, so, you know, he, yeah, he did, you know, sign with Jay Prince last week. Um, they're kind of like hinting that, that he may, you know, go over from, you know, being in the PBC, um, you know, PBC um, group over to top rank and compete and have fights there um, in uh, top rank. So uh, that's something I'm looking out for uh, there as far as, like, news with F.A. Jogba. Uh, but that could be uh, something of interest if he does, uh, you know, kind of like convert over to top rank as they do have, you know, the um, fairly extended roster there at heavyweight. Like I mentioned there, Carlos Takam. Uh, you have Tony Yoka there. Um, you know, of course, Tyson Fury uh, is there uh, under top rank as well. Um, and, you know, they, they'll have a few things, uh, you know, waiting there for F.A. Jogba if he does want to go ahead and join top rank. Yep, yep. You know, so, um, so, that, so that is uh, there for that particular instance. And um, kind of like seeing there uh, if they're going to make like that fight between Jamal Charlo and Sergey Derevianchenko official for that WBC middleweight title, so kind of like looking uh, forward to that. Um, I haven't seen anything be completely official uh, for the unification bout that was slated to happen between Vasilom Lomachenko and Teofimo Lopez. They had, you know, kind of announced it on ESPN uh, a couple of weeks ago that it would be, you know, in September, but just like they had it before all this thing came down when it was supposed to be slated for April. Uh, now I don't see anything saying that this is official, like there's no date, there's no venue uh, for this particular bout. 
So it's like, uh, does Vasily Lomachenko really want to have this fight against Teofimo Lopez? I don't know if he does. Because <clears throat> it's like, <laughs> it's like Teofimo Lopez is like rubbing his hands like, yo, I'm ready. I'm ready for this, man. I'm ready for this. I've been waiting for this. I've been waiting for this moment. And it's like Vasily Lomachenko is kind of like, eh, I don't know, man. I don't know. Uh, maybe I'll move down to 130 pounds or something. I mean, I'm still the franchise champion, so, I mean, I'll still have that WBC franchise belt, but I'll move down to 130 pounds or something. Like, yo, I don't know why he doesn't want to go forward with this fight. Um, they were talking about uh, his manager, Igis Klamis, doesn't want Vasilom uh, Matenko to fight over Madison Square Garden for some unexplainable reason. But, yeah, right now, I don't see how this fight is not being official when it was supposed to be the fight there at lightweight. So I'm like, I mean, come on. Why not make it official, man? Because all of the other accidents happening at lightweight, uh, you're going to have, um, you know, the uh, thing there for the – WBC interim title with Jorge Linares uh, there. He's going to be, you know, fighting uh, there, and he's going to fight Javier Fortuna uh, for that WBC interim belt. And they had ordered the fight between uh, Ryan Garcia and Luke Campbell. So why not have this fight take place and be able to shape what the lightweight division is going to be going into 2021? I don't see why they don't want to go forward with it. Yeah, I think um, it's interesting because it with the uh, Lopez and Lomachenko fight, it just offers uh, challenges on both sides. I mean, Lopez, you can't deny his confidence. You can't deny what he does in the ring and what he brings into the ring, but has he ever done it for a consistent 12 rounds? We We still have yet to see that. I mean, in whatever bout he, I've seen him in, I've never seen him like have to, well, I can't say he's never had to, but he hadn't had to dig deep much. You know, Lomachenko right. is used to going 12 rounds, you know, controlling the pace, doing whatever he needs to do. And if he got somebody in front of him that's a, that's a boxing bag, that's when he shines the best. When he has people who knows how to step with him, knows how to throw punches in between his punches, in between the speed, you know, he has trouble. So, with Lopez throwing big shots, I think Lomachenko will be able to see it. Like, I think Lopez is literally going to have to eat two two or three punches, and then in between one of the, the second and the third punch, that's when he throw his big shot. And, and that that's the shot that lands on, um, you know, Lomachenko to hurt him because otherwise Lomachenko is going to see them big-ass shots coming, you know. Like, I would hope that, that he has enough to see those shots coming, you know, with the yeah. intensity that uh, Lopez throw them shots. Uh, but, you know, speed kills and them, them young cats mad quick, you know, word of currency. But, you know, it's uh, it's, it's an interesting mm-hmm. fight to see. But, you know, if he's if he's backing away from the fight for whatever reason, you know, that sucks. I, it'd be great to see it, to see Lopez get pushed. It'd also be great to see – if what Lopez says he can do, he can do it against a proven fighter like Lomachenko. But, you know, Lomachenko's armor has been shown a few chinks, so that may give him enough, you know, will to, to make it happen. But 
the Lomachenko best chance to take this this young buck to the to the later rounds and drown him, man. You know, so that's that's my only thing about Lopez. Will he get drowned in like round nine, ten, eleven, twelve? You know, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Will he get round drowned in the championship rounds? That's my only thing about Lopez. Mhm. Yeah, the thing with um, you know Lomachenko, I mean, he's had you know issues with guys that could you know really time his shots and time his movements. And, I mean, we saw that uh, when he was there against Jorge Linares. Like, Linares, you know, in those early rounds, he was able to, like, kind of see what Vasily Machenko uh, was doing and then was able to time him uh, there. And and once he he was able to do that, uh, then he kind of caught Lomachenko there in round six. So um, that, you know, that particular bout right there, that one was, you know, the bout where, you know, we had to see Vasily Lomachenko kind of like dig down a little bit uh, there to, you know, kind of be uh, there and, and step up as the, uh, you know, better fighter. Uh, but other than that, he really hadn't had to do that, um, you know, up to that particular point and afterwards. Uh, so, you know, I would like to see like how he does uh, here against the, you know, young, very confident guy in, uh, you know, Teofimo Lopez. But, you know, with Lopez, you got to see if he's going to be able to, you know, get uh, Vasil Lomachenko to a point where he could actually hit Lomachenko cleanly. Because if he could hit Lomachenko cleanly, he'll he'll be able to spark him. He'll be able to spark him. I, I, I know that. But I don't see Vasil Lomachenko trying to be there in close quarters against a Teofimo Lopez. He's going to try to get his range. He's going to use his foot mobility and use every – single part of the ring to get, you know, pretty much get away from Teofimo Lopez or to try to, like, have him, you know, at a range where he can't really sit down on his power shot. So that's something that I'm looking, you know, looking for in this particular fight if this fight does take place. But I I just don't see – it's not looking good as far as, like, this particular fight actually happening. Because, like, nothing has been, you know, named as official for that particular bout as of yet. So, uh, that's what I have in reference to that, man. But, um, you know, at this point, I mean, I'll, I'll be uh, closing out this particular podcast. Uh, once again, uh, we thank WBO Super Featherweight Champion Jamel Semperfy Herring for joining us here at the beginning of this podcast. Like I said, you can catch it on YouTube right now or when it's available on iTunes or Google Podcasts or Spotify or whatever your favorite podcast that is. We're going to have another show here next week, July 26, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Like I said, at the end of every show, folks, the point of boxing is a hit and not a hit. Not the standing trade. On that note, folks, I'm out. Have a good evening, everybody. <laughs>